Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we'll be covering chapters 44 and 45 of The Eye of the World, The Dark Along the Ways, and What Follows in Shadow. Enjoy! This is future Alan coming in to talk to you about this episode before it begins. So, uh, when recording this episode, I didn't realize till after we were done that the mic that I was using, the microphone that I was using, actually had gone bad. So, um, a lot of the audio, for at least from Alan, from myself, is a little bit sketchy, a little echoey. Um, I've already gotten a replacement. I think that will work for next week until I get an official replacement, but um, I have a, have a backup microphone that I... Wish I'd done for this episode, but since we've already recorded it, uh, we're just going to release it as follows. So um, I apologize again for the little echoey and technical difficulties that we deal with as we, you know, keep on doing this podcast. But you know, um, hopefully, you guys still enjoy the content, and the more importantly, Chris and Ian's uh, audio is perfect. So uh, still enjoy this episode, and we'll move right along. All right, moving on to episode twenty-one. Um, few housekeeping things to get through before we get started. Um, I know I mentioned this last week, by the time this podcast comes out, the contest will be over, but we are actually uh, doing a giveaway right now for our Patreons only. Um, so for anybody who signs up to be a patron for us uh, before the end of this month, so you have four days or five days left, um, uh, you'll be put into a drawing to win a free copy a hardcover copy of either world um so it's gonna be a hardcover copy um that will be sent out to you um and you just have to pledge at any level um before the end of the month so that's how you qualify for that and speaking of patreons we have three new ones this week three three um yay woo! and one of them actually uh ian will know his name well but uh michael ram just joined us today um who uh, we appreciate your Patronage and become a patron, and then Tree, who's in chat right now, Tree Hugger, Oz, our handle on our Discord server. Um, she also does amazing artwork. If you've ever watched Unraveling the Pattern, um, their YouTube channel, her artwork's in his videos. So pretty cool there. And our pretty last dope. patron, who, yeah, our last patron who just joined five minutes before we went live was Hunter Witt. 
um, who Whoa. is my <laughs> <laughs> <is our> brother. <laughs> um, he also is our Discord server, although he never talks. So a lot of people on Discord don't believe he exists. Um, he, just lists, he actually sent me a message saying, I'm not going to talk to you, whatever. Um, so, <laughs> so he's in there. Um, but, um, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's my brother. Um, I don't see him often, so I'll have to give him, uh, get, uh, give him much thanks next time I do see him. Um, well, so send, send him a, a little clip from this where you give him the shout out and I say, what's up, Hunter? Long time. No, see, oh, I'm well, glad good. you all turned out way better than the rest of us. <laughs> 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 we're, we're all proud of you. You're raising the average for the neighborhood. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Hunter, Hunter definitely is. Uh, yeah, my brother, Hunter, he's a doctor. I'll leave it at that. And uh, he's, he's, he's doing well for himself. Um, as far as everything else goes, um, you know, we're just keep on climbing with the downloads, the followers on Twitter keeps going up. Um, we haven't hit any big major milestones last week, although we're close on a lot of them. Um, so I'll probably announce it next week uh, when we hit some bigger things. So that's about it for the housekeeping stuff. Um, so size um, does matter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a bigger, bigger following is definitely a good thing in the podcast world. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> a quick shout to Zul. You know, uh, you know girth that matters, right? Right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, she's going to tell you to edit that out. That's yeah. going to have to go. Girthy yeah. <laughs> bears, girthy bears, um, and paws, <laughs> and paws. So, so moving on to uh, personal life, um, I'll start real fast, just because I'm talking already. But um, a couple of things, I you know, we have we have Memorial Day here in the United States last weekend, which for a lot of Americans is just a three-day weekend. It's actually a pretty somber holiday for us. It's, it's, it's uh, We celebrate, or at least uh, commemorate, not celebrate, but commemorate um, any soldiers who died in the line of duty, uh, whether from Revolutionary War till today. I know it's just a memorial of all those soldiers. Um, um, but obviously people don't remember Revolutionary time people, but uh, but definitely for whether it's Vietnam, War II, War One. Um, any of those veterans or any war that we fought um, that have died in line of duty. Uh, that's what, that's what the holidays for. Um, uh, those ones that get the ultimate sacrifice. And, but as a three day weekend, a lot of us do cookouts, things like that. Of course, because of COVID and quarantine, there was very limited amount of that. My mother-in-law did come in town. So that was nice to see her, but really most of the weekend was spent doing yard work projects and uh, breaking my back, trying to get this garden ready. Um, and speaking of COVID, I'm actually not even allowed to go to my office for my job right now because uh, I went this morning to change up some files and the door was locked. And I knocked the door. They wouldn't even open the door. Apparently, someone in the office I work at tested positive. So they have the entire they, – they Wow. Yeah, they have the entire building locked down. And no, if I wasn't here – I hadn't been there in two weeks. So um, they're like, yep, you can't come in because we have to test everybody who was exposed. And the people that are exposed are still in there working. So you can't come in now. It's locked down. Go back home. I was like, okay, cool. Works for me. Yikes. I'll, change, I'll change that follow-up next week or whatever you guys want to do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, fun times. <laughs> well, like you said, uh, just got through the holiday weekend. Memorial Day. Uh, it, you know, it's it's an interesting time. For most people who have served, It's uh, you you go back and forth. Um, at least for me in just being uh, the Debbie Downer guy and trying to pull yourself up or having such a good time, then you feel guilty about it. Uh, but 
those of you, I mean, I've mentioned before, uh, I deployed um, my biggest deployment in Iraq and been to a couple other places, but did a 15-month tour there. And our unit in those 15 months lost 58 soldiers and officers. Uh, We had one Medal of Honor recipient during that deployment also. Uh, They say for the 1st Infantry Division, it was the deadliest deployment we had since, uh, I don't know, Korean War, World War II, something like that. Uh, So, I don't know. It's always an awkward holiday. Um, But this one, this one was good. It was more on the happy side and just reflecting, taking the time to think about those brothers we lost. Uh, Got to have my kids. uh, So, we spent a lot of time out on the river. I uh, posted some pictures for some folks on the Discord, so you might have seen. Uh, it was a good time, but it, it's just, it's turned into, it's not what it was when I grew up. It's one of those awkward holidays, you know, definitely try to make the the best of it. And you always want to live your best life for, you know, those um, who already paid that sacrifice. But, I mean, it's, it's weird. Sometimes you find yourself having too much fun and, and you kind of check yourself and I don't know. Many years later, <laughs> I still don't know how I feel about this holiday, but it's, it was a, it was a good weekend. Sure. Moving on to also just other things, country and state. Even up with that. Uh, so I figured we would go with uh, the middle of America, uh, and we're going to be super specific. We don't we don't just want Nebraska. We want Omaha. Okay. <laughs> so, somewhere in the middle of America. And All my what, counting crow, counting crow friends out there, you should be singing along right now. And Warren Buffett, if you want to donate to our podcast, that'd be that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, man. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll Nebraska. take another uh, patron. Yeah, Nebraska. So that after Nebraska, we only have two states left. Um, so we're pretty we're pretty close to actually all the United States uh, as far as listeners in each state. Um, so we do this every week for anybody that's new listening to this podcast tonight. Uh, we we ask uh, for listeners in different states or countries, depending on. Uh, we've asked for countries, states, whatever. So this week is Nebraska, um, and if we got, if you guys know anybody in Nebraska, um, yeah, there's a uh, tell them to listen to us. Um, so before we move into the chapter, quick predictions. Um, so quick couple of ones, uh, three ones from last week, and then I added one in a previous one that just just wanted to kind of refresh for a while ago. So uh, Rand will place stones for the fate of the world. Uh, I'm going to stand by that one at the bitter end yeah he's going to play stones with the dark one for the fate of the world it's going to be this giant rock paper scissors type type event and, uh, best of seven damn right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other prediction was that Trollocs have been using the ways um, and we'll talk about that later in this episode uh, <laughs> <laughs> ding 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 Matt's <laughs> going to learn yeah, that's going to learn to control the dagger. Was one of the, uh, the, the, the I guess, the power of the dagger or, or what's happening to it. Matt's going to control it. And then the last one, this one's from a while ago, um, was that Rand will become Egwene's warder. Um, there was a steak dinner bet over that prediction. So I think Chris was the one who said definitely that Rand's going to be Egwene's warder. And he said, no way. I bet a steak dinner. So it's worth revisiting. We still got years to figure that out. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so oh, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, oh, it's good times. Anyway, so 
without further ado, let's go ahead and move right into chapter 44, which is the dark along the ways. And the symbol is a vine with a leaf. Um, now, finally, we figure out what this leaf is in this chapter. We'll get to that later in the episode. But, but um, let's start the chapter title. And uh, now that you guys know what this leaf is, um, you know, we can talk about that a little bit. But thoughts? When I first looked at it, uh, I was hoping – I'd kind of theorized before, like, you, you know, you had the, the three leaves, um, and I had – mentioned maybe it's representing Moraine, Egwene, Nynaeve. Um, so at, at first glance, I was like, all right, maybe this is part of the story where we finally find out the real relevance of Nynaeve and Egwene. Maybe they're like a central part to getting through the ways or something like that, which, you know, that that personal theory inside my head was a dud. Um, but that's what I was kind of hoping for. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree with that statement, though, Ian. Like, we do realize that the Ways was created by Aes Sedai, you know, male Aes Sedai, but still, um, it is a clear indication of the manipulation of the world by Aes Sedai. So, well, and, yeah. you know, it also shows the, the power that the Aes Sedai have overall and the, you know, the creation of a way to travel in between you know, parts of the world in, in moments, like, that's hugely significant. And it also shows the potential power that the ladies could have. I mean, this was done by the tainted males, but what could the the ladies do if they really could harness their power and really learn how to control oh, true. it? So I think you shouldn't kick yourself yet. <laughs> Fair enough. We have a we have a lot of books, and like Moraine said, uh, Egwene and Nynaeve could become the most powerful Aes Sedai. Uh, so maybe their powers eventually get to the point where they can control and manipulate or create new ways, or, or, or purify the you know clean it up. Yeah. So all right, hey, you know what? Add that to the prediction list, man. <laughs> Chris, just help me get smart. <laughs> there we go. So we'll go get right into the chapter. Unless, Chris, do you have anything else to add about the chapter title? Or I think it's, you know, the dark along the way. Is after reading the chapter, it's like, oh, I get it. So not much to yeah. add. So, yeah. So we start out, Rand's following Moraine out of the inn. They're going to the stable. It's still dark outside. You know, when they woke up, um, it was still nighttime. Uh, I guess twilight's fast approaching, but they get to the stable and all the horses are ready to go. Uh, we get to learn a little about the horses. Of course, our, our faithful Bella's there, but it looks like Loyal has like a Clydesdale. I mean, the way they describe the horses, it's a Clydesdale. It's uh, it's got to be at least a Clydesdale. Yeah, at a minimum. And for those that don't know what a Clydesdale oh. is, look at a Budweiser commercial. So the the benefit here is actually um, we have Clydesdales in Williamsburg, which is right down the road from where we live. So we see them all the time. Yeah. Uh, Bush Gardens, that and and Bush Anheuser Bush. Um, Brews Budweiser. They have a brewery uh, in Williamsburg, and they also have a a giant theme park, and they have Clydesdales there. So the theme park is no longer owned by the Anheuser Corporation. It's owned by the same thing as SeaWorld, which is Blackwater. Um, So they used to have the Anheuser Clydesdales, but now they have a different breed of Clydesdale. Right. Yeah. It's still really cool, though. 
it, when you go by there, when you think about this, have y'all been there when they've had the really young, like one-year-old, maybe two-year-old Clydesdales yes. and, and they're already bigger than a regular horse, but they're little <laughs> horse puppies. Yeah. And when they're full grown, they are gargantuan. They're like gigantic. I've seen them in videos, but up close. I saw wow, one that got a little huge. excited. Hamela got a little excited. That was uh, quite scary. Anyway, continuing on. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, and Hor- and Rand gets a new horse named Red. So you know, uh, we, we, Rand gets this new horse. Um, I think one of the things earlier is we talked about Rand's first horse, which was Cloud, I believe. And yeah, we lost Cloud at Shadowlug off somewhere. So now he has a new horse, Red. Um, we'll see how long he can keep this one. Uh, so, um, and then you know, Matt's talking about how something's different about Perrin, and Rand tells says you know Perrin's fine. And then they get the secret door in the back of the stable. So before we get to there, anything from this whole stable scene you guys wanted to point out and talk about uh, before we, we leave? The Queen's blessing. <laughs> uh, not really. I just I, I find it very interesting the amount of time that was spent on the horses and how the horses kind of reflect their owners. So I'm interested to see over time how red kind of comes out. Um Okay. Other than that, wait. What, what do you mean comes out? Is this, <laughs> is this is this a gay horse? Like, what did you read that I didn't? I didn't. I'm looking for. <laughs> I mean, out of his shell. <laughs> out of his shell. Okay. 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 Fair enough. Okay. I mean, that'd be fine if he did. I'm just. I I didn't underline that portion. I feel like I would have. I would have noticed that maybe. But sure. Uh, he did let Rand ride him awfully easily. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> red red nays at Mandarb. <laughs> Nay, <laughs> this is all getting cut out. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't think this is where we were, where we were going to start this episode. Um, well, so what I was going to go with because um, I in these first couple of pages pretty descriptive, um, but even in the first line in the darkness right off the bat there's a lot of emphasis on the dark and obviously when we get into the ways it's a little dark um I, this might be the one exception to things that kind of piss me off we've talked about game of thrones before and there's quite a few episodes of game of thrones where if you don't have just a fantastic tv where you can really change the settings they're so fucking hard to see because it would make things so dark and i thought it was unnecessary in a lot of that uh, but I feel like this is one of those scenes where it really needs to be that way. And in fact, it needs to be so much that way that it it pisses the viewer off. But that should be the point. It, we like That's a way to make the watcher, won't be the reader at that point, but the watcher feel as uncomfortable and anxious as everybody in this scene is. So obviously, the dark along the ways... Uh, they they talk about how dark it is when they're trying to get ready and move along and move to the stables could barely see. And that's just the beginning. It only gets worse as they move into the ways. So hopefully um, there's some emphasis yeah. there. And that's a great segue to something else I want to talk about this episode with you guys. Uh, this is the, the spoilers just not giving away anything, but talking about the TV show, Chris will be excited about this. Um, one of the newest, new, one of the newest news, news, <laughs> newest news, um, the Newport um, news. Breaking news this week uh, for Wheel of Time TV show, and a lot of content creators talked about this, but I know you guys are are kind of removed from all that. Is yeah, someone actually figured out 
minimum what the budget for the two shows is going to be. Um, so just briefly, Chris will be excited about this. I know because he's, uh, you know, when you think about uh, compared to Game of Thrones, what we're going to do. So, um, um, so what they did is they, the Texas Czech Republic uh, gives a rebate to TV shows. It happens all the time. Like if you film here, we'll give a 20% of everything you spent in our country back to you. And that's public information. So they gave the rebate back to the, that's public. So by using 20%, we know minimum how much they spent just in the Czech Republic. Not to mention that doesn't include actor salaries. It doesn't include uh, – we know they filmed in Slovenia and other places as well. So we know it's more than that. But so to give you an idea, the first season – actually the first I think, two or three seasons of Game of Thrones, the budget HBO gave Game of Thrones was $6 million an episode. Um, wow. Yeah, which, which is big. $6 million an episode was what Game of Thrones got. Right now, uh, Wheel of Time is estimated at minimum $10 million oh an episode. God, the first that season. is stupid crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, as for Epic, you talk about lighting and getting things right. Yes, the money that's to an do additional it, so. $4 million on top of Game of Thrones. And the first few seasons of Game of Thrones were absolutely phenomenally done. So I can right. only imagine. Wow. So the last two seasons were fifteen million an episode, um, which is why they make shorter episodes, but um, or shorter amount of episodes. But so if all the time starts at ten, you know, hey, <laughs> they're putting a lot of money into the show. It should be pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> well, but it's like I said before. Um, last I remember, Charlie Sheen on well, what's that? What's that show we did? Uh, two, two and a half men. Two and a half men. So he was getting paid a million an episode. Yeah. Right. And so I would have thought that number was over the top, but we, we run into Charlie Sheen again in this chapter. So they got to, they got to pay, they got to pay the black wind a million well, an episode. Know, and then like you I have said, other big name characters or big name actors and actresses. So. Yeah. But that figure doesn't money. count. It doesn't count. Like I said, that figure doesn't, doesn't take into effect salaries. So. Yeah. Oh, Hey, well, that's just sets and things like that and costumes and yeah it's uh, wow. anyway, so it's gonna if, if nothing else it's gonna look really really cool <laughs> it's gonna look amazing moving on so they get to the stable the hidden stable door which i think is pretty awesome that this has this hidden door um makes you kind of wonder what gil does mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a moonshiner <laughs> uh, yeah and they say goodbye and uh loyal starts to lead them through the city um and and loyal can kind of sense a way gate, so he's they're just kind of going around um, from street to street, and they're they're hoping to get there before people start waking up because obviously travel with Ogier uh, would raise alarm, so they want to get there. You know, right as dawn starts to break, you know, um, people start to come down the street. Rand's getting more and more worried, and and loyal stops and says, "It's right here under the shop," and. <laughs> they, they kind of just look and say under the shop you're like what like it's right here it doesn't make any sense at all um and they go around the alleyway they find the locked door you know moraine uses her power to open the door um and they get everybody inside and bring the horses down so um before we get to this i mean what any thoughts about that travel i mean i was really sure i am but okay so there is mention yeah. of Shiriam Shaddai, which I don't know that we've talked about this individual yet, but it makes me really wonder no. um, how involved the Blue Aja faction is and what Moraine is doing. 
if she's going to throw that name out there and say, you know, if you have any fears or trouble, write to, and this is the first time she's told anybody directly who mm-hmm. to communicate with, um, which makes mm-hmm. me wonder why she's so invested, particularly in, you know, Master Gill. And I don't know if it's because of his relationship with Tom. And maybe she feels like she owes a little bit more to him because she owes something to Tom. So there mm-hmm. was that thought as I was reading through it. Um, because, you know, everybody else, she just kind of paid off. Like, here's some gold. Do with it as you please. But for him, it's like, you're super special because for what reason? It, it makes no sense to me. So <laughs> I, I, I do have that. Go ahead. So I, I, I never got the feeling that uh, her and Lan had a whole lot of love for Tom. Like I, I'm still, well, one, I'm still holding out to him being alive, which <laughs> spoiler in these chapters, we find out Moraine's <laughs> holding out too. But um, so I don't, I, I still think that not only is alive, but he's kind of part of a different faction that probably has different intentions with these boys. So I don't think it's a love for Tom and his connections there. Uh, and so I circled that also, like this was her spilling way more beans than she ever has to anybody else. But I think it has more to do with the direction they're taking. I don't think she saw this as part of the plan at all, uh, that they were going to go straight to the blight. And if, if anything, maybe she was hoping master Gill would, uh, communicate with this Shiriam Sedai because at the very least it would send some sort of communication about what was happening and where they were going and why. Um, even though Master Gill wasn't directly told 100% of the plan, if he was any way decent of an innkeeper, he was eavesdropping everything they were talking about uh, and uh, everything uh. they were doing. So uh, I, I kind of circled that, but I thought, again, because I think Moraine's always kind of working an angle, uh, maybe, maybe she would hope uh, she was hoping – he'd take her up on that and send that communication and let them know that shit's about yeah, to get Yeah, I mean, real. I agree with that statement, too. Right. So we definitely, for me, this just kind of threw up some flags. Like, here's some more information that we haven't seen before. Here's a new name. And, you know, she didn't have much... I think there was a love-hate relationship between her and Tom. First, like, that's just the thought there. So, like, in the beginning, my original thought was kind of a nod to Tom because this is his friend and, you know... Tom stuck his neck out for the boys. He's not dead. We know that. Like, but he did go out of his way for the boys. And that's furthering her cause. So there was a little bit there. He's part, he's of, part the of the he's part of the pattern. Yes. Part of the pattern. Um yep. and then I think it's very interesting the way they decided to talk about Loyal and um how he paused with his head cocked as a feeling of breeze on his cheek. And then he said, this way, it's very similar to the same way that Moraine tracked the boys. So I'm wondering that if, or as they, they being the uh, Edmund Fielders, begin to learn to manipulate the, the, their powers, and since we don't know where they're all drawing their powers, I'm just going to leave it at that at this point, um, if they'll be able to have that same sense to be able to kind of track or feel pathways. Hey, so I, I also, before we move on, I got a picture of Loyal uh, that didn't really stick before reading about him, but like 
and I don't even know if this is true, but this is how I started picturing it in my head. When when he finally took the lead, uh, and it said, uh, when the run led out into the street, Loyal chose his direction without pause. He seemed to know exactly where he was going, da-da-da-da. So, of course, like every reader, I'm picturing this in my head. And there's this gigantic O-gear that everybody else has been, you know, you're creeping along this this dark alley, trying to get out where no one could see you. And then he's leading the pack, and he's just like, all right, this way, left, then right. Now we're going to take two rights and left. We'll go straight a little bit, blah, 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 blah. And he just moves on without pause. So it made me think again about how big and massive this dude is. And putting into perspective what he perceives as a threat versus other people. And we've read before about how like people would think he's a trollic and scream and shout and this, that, and the other. But that's just an annoyance. I don't think any amount of a crowd that might have surrounded them was a threat to him. You know, I just picture him being like, oh, even if it's a bunch of white cloaks, yeah, whatever, I'm not worried about that. Even if it's a bunch of whatever color ribbon people want to show up and give him a hard time, like, it's an annoyance. Um, But I think that's important because while these things don't scare him, we do read about some things that do make him pause and freak out a little bit. Um, so it, we've mentioned this before, how like Jordan kind of ups the ante of the scary shit that's out there. And first we thought a Trolloc was scary, but now even a handful of Trollocs is like, ah, no big deal. Lane will take care of it. A fade's a little scary. Well, we could take out a fade. No big deal. Uh, the white cloaks, the whatever, all these different threats out there. And then you have this O gear that for the most part, all those things seem less scary. Um, but it's like it's a setup so that when he does seem afraid, it makes you as the reader go, holy shit, this is this is real, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they do get to this 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 cellar underneath, you know, Marine pops the lock. They go down below. Loyal explains there used to be trees and groves everywhere here. That's where they grew the way gate. Uh, but the, the groves are long gone, cut down. And Loyal's upset about that, of course, because he loves his trees. And um, one wall is not like the others. It's full of stone vines. But one part's a little more elaborate than the rest. Um, so you get the kind of description of what the way gate looks like, where it's, you know, all these different, you know, stone vines and leaves, like kind of like a carving. Um, and, and there's one leaf that's different than the rest, and it's an Avendisora leaf, Avendisora. We've talked about the Avendisora tree uh, a few times. Yeah. So, so it's a trifle leaf, and that's actually the the symbol for the the chapter as well. Right. Moran goes up and plucks it, and the gate starts to open. I really like again, I, I, being the description guy. Worked in Hearthstone, those leaves seem soft, caught in one frozen moment, as a gentle summer breeze stirred them. For all of that, they had the feel of age, as much greater than the rest of the stone as the rest was older than the brick. That older and more, Loyal looked at them as if he would rather be anywhere else but there, even out in the streets with another mob. So, you know, there's a lot of depth to the, I guess, the artwork of those leaves. It's almost like they may have been real and maybe even transformed into the stone. But it just kind of goes to show the the work that, the O'Gear really put into, uh, or I should say the, the Aes Sedai put into 
their creations with their magic. And then, like Ian was saying earlier, it shows that this mammoth of a being, you know, is super scared of something that nobody else is really aware of. And it's really the, the fear of the unknown almost, which, you know, I am one of those two that have that fear of like the unknown. Uh, you guys talk about being out on boats and stuff all the time. I'd love to go out on a boat, but I have a fear of the ocean. Like I have a fear of the vastness of the water. So I, I completely identify with Loyal in this moment because that just freaks me out like no other. Yeah, just just to set you at ease there, um, I think we might have talked about this before. Alan's mentioned it, but I too have a little bit of this, I won't say fear, but uneasiness. The first five to six feet underneath the boat i'm totally comfortable with the 600 feet beneath that scares the fucking shit out of me <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm right there and as someone who's shaken actually swam in the middle of the ocean so um and it, it i was terrified the entire time because i the depth finder at that point doesn't even work so you have no idea how deep it is except for charts and you're just relying on how deep it is but i've i've been where it's thousands Oof. of feet deep no thank you it's so weird yeah <laughs> <laughs> somewhere i'm not going that's what that's what counts so we get the the way gate opening and loyal says i have heard and this is half mourning half fearful that once the way gates shone like mirrors once who entered the ways walked through the sun and the sky once so, like, it just goes to show that at some point in time, there was some purity to the work that was done, and it was a good thing. And it just kind of shows how the corruption mm -hmm. of man, quite literally, can ruin a good thing. Um, corruption of man, asterisk. I mean, we're, we're assuming still that it was corrupted by the male Aes Sedai and, and the taint. And that might be right. Uh, but not not too far down um, when they start going through. And Moraine says, hurry, I must be the last through. We cannot leave this open for anyone to find by chance. Hurry. And then with a heavy sigh, Loyal strode into the shimmer. Well, where else have we heard about this shimmer? We also heard about it with land. Well, even going back to the yeah, prologue sure. and and homie bad guy shimmered and and showed up there. Um, so, I mean, is that the same way he traveled through time and space, shimmered in, created his own gate, whatever? Or maybe that being was a male eye said I, or maybe it was the the dark one or someone serving the dark one or someone serving some power other than the one true power. I, I don't know, but whoever that being was uh, taking advantage of these ways and maybe it was them accessing it and taking control of it that turned it dark. Hmm. So I, I underline and circle that shimmer. And again, this is another point where I feel the need to go back and reread the prologue and some of our earlier descriptions of yeah. the dark one, Biazamon, Everybody, I how they interact, feel like and whatnot. It has but it's to be two different a lot of possibilities of still. 
just because sure. the way gate is just that it's a, a particular gate set in a particular spot created by the male Aes Sedai. Now, I'm not saying that it's not the same power, and I'm not saying it's not the same concept, but it almost seemed like he was able to kind of travel at will from any point to any other point. Maybe I misread that. Well, maybe those male Aes Sedai could, mm-hmm. uh, but but what they were able to pass on to the Ogiers uh, yeah. was a little more limited. So, anyways, I mean, so what what you just stated isn't outside the realm of what I was thinking. Like I said, I, I underline this, and of course, I'm relating it to all these other instances and well, people that might right. have traveled this same way. <laughs> uh, more more, yeah. more questions and answers, but yeah, sure. And then all we get is Alan. Yeah. So. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, that's all I'm going to give you. Um, you we, we, will, we, will, mm-hmm. we will learn more about Waygates and more about the Shimmery and all that stuff. We, we will. Trust me, there's 14 <laughs> or actually 15, including the Bogol. So, you know, Lan, Lan walks into the mirror, you know, himself merging in, and Moraine says, everyone go in. So they all go in, and, and you get kind of the description of the inside as soon as we go in. So there's, um, there's blackness everywhere. And when you look back, you can see the cellar, just like, you know, whereas before it was a mirror, when you would look back out, it's kind of like a one-way mirror, like, you know, like a police air t- interrogation rooms or whatever, like one side's a mirror, the other side you can see through, back to the cellar, it's fine. And everyone is super nervous, and the darkness is almost pressing on a light, like, and it's a pretty cool, like, concept, I think, it just, you know, like, where it's, it's like the light can't, it's fighting the darkness, well, I even like the way he described him entering. So something icy slid along his skin as if he were passing through a wall of cold water. Time stretched out. The cold enveloped one hair at a time, shivered over his clothes, thread by thread. It's like every ounce of his being could feel himself entering into the way gate. I'm wondering... Was it always like this, or is this just like the newer feeling now that it's not so happy, cheery of a place? Um, and then the the concept of time stretching out was was kind of a brilliant way of saying that you know concept of time and space changes when entering the way gates. So well, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Loyal uh, mentioned, he said, the wheel turns faster in the ways. So when they look back behind, there's kind of like a slow-mo of the rest of the people coming through until they until they break the, the plane there. Which I, I guess that, that brought a question right. to my mind. Like, I know they're traveling a long distance in a very short amount of time. I guess it's hard for me to grasp. Yeah. Like it, so, the outside time is moving a lot slower than the inside time. Would they then speed up? Like, and this is me thinking too far into things, but like, why didn't they maybe like age or did they age quicker? Does it take life? Like, this is probably way too far and probably never actually enters into the book. Yeah, but we can. So as one string vibrates, I what never happens is no. I'm kidding. More than ready um, to listen. So. <laughs> Well, remember, remember, uh, yeah, that was Robert Jordan's major when he went to the Citadel was physics. So he 
is very much into this film. And and you don't have to go super deep. Um, Stephen Hawking has written uh, a couple of uh, coffee table books that are, yep. I mean, your your average sixth grader can understand. He takes these ridiculously com- complex concepts and boils them down uh, to their simplest form of explanation. Yeah. So you, you could read into it without needing a, a degree. You're, it's possible. Uh, in, a nutshell, uh, uh, in a nutshell, by uh, oh yeah, that's by, by Stephen Hawking is a great example of that. But yeah. Yep, and you could read it with your kids. It's great. Yep. So my, my mind didn't run that way. On this line, the wheel turns faster in the ways. I immediately started thinking about when our O'Gear told us about people that got lost in the ways. Um, and obviously with with how dark it was and, and the urgency of the mission that our folks were on here, um, they were already hard-pressed to stay on the most direct path and get to where they're going. Um, but I started thinking about the folks, like like what would happen if they took a less direct route or if they got turned around or if you get the slightest bit lost and maybe you think on the inside, you know, you're spending an extra 10 days kind of exploring around and then you get on the outside and a year has passed. Or maybe you spend a year inside the ways and you get out and a lifetime has passed. Um, and since we know there's people that have been lost in the ways, how long have they actually been in there? And do we run into them? I don't I would assume so. There's a lot of opportunity here for uh, Jordan to F with us again. So anything else you guys want to add before we continue going on about the guiding stones? Let's roll. All right. So there's a white line going from the gate. Then they follow that and they just keep following this white line until they get to a stone. And it's covered in Ogier script. And that's why it's great loyal is here because he's the only one here that can actually read it. And that guides you which bridge or ramp to take. So they're called islands. So the way it's set up, you have islands with stone with like a you know, what it reminds me of is kind of like a stonehedge stone. Like a, I have no idea because this is my mind's eye. It doesn't describe it more than what it does in this chapter. Uh, but that's what I've always thought of, like, or Rosetta Stone, like a just slab with a bunch of script on it. Um, and that kind of tells you which bridge or, or ramp to take. So they get to the, to, to the first one. There's a series of bridges and ramps. None of them have any, any rails on them. Um, and, and they have to go from island to island through all these things. And, um, and, and the stones, everything's kind of falling apart in the ways as well. The stones are kind of falling apart. Everything was kind of crumbled. Um, obviously things aren't going well there. Uh, and, 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 and the hint to it has to do with the corruption as well. Yeah. This, this was definitely a nod to Lord of the Rings again. Uh, what, what were the mines that they traveled through? Uh, Moria. Yeah. 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 Mines of Moria. <laughs> so this is very much, this is very much, uh, reminding me of that and, and a nod to that. So I, you know, I kind of waited for, uh, Tom the white to show up and, yeah. <laughs> battle some evil that's existed in there for hundreds of thousands of years sure <laughs> yeah it does kind of remind you of that of that you know that uh i guess from the movie at least you know when they go in they have the staircase going up and golems falling down below and a platform down below and they look back yeah yeah it's a tip of the hat mm-hmm. definitely there you go so yeah and there's no sense of time or they don't you can't figure out you know there's no sunlight so they don't know what time it is at all uh, but at some point, when it seems about right, Land announces it's midday. It's time to stop and have some food. And you know, Matt goes to 
to dismount. And Moraine says, no, you have to stay in your saddle. We eat as we ride. Um, we're not stopping. Um, and kind of coming to the end, you know, Rand begins to have this internal thought where, uh, you know, the ways aren't so bad, you know, it's not, it's not so bad here. And then they get to a bridge that's, that's, that's <laughs> apart. and the chapter ends with that, with the bridge being out. So I thought that little – so I, I uh, highlighted that section. I thought that was a ni- nice little microcosm of Jordan's writing style thus far, like a little bit of a setup where you take a sigh and go, oh, yeah, and then, bam, you get hit with a right, a couple of body blows, and then when you protect the ribs, he hits you with the uppercut, the old uh, Mike Tyson routine. <laughs> but he does, it, he does it real quick this time instead of spreading it out over multiple chapters. Mm-hmm. Um Talking about Rand, he even began to think the ways were not so bad, not nearly as bad as Loyal made out. They might have the heavy feel of the hour before a storm, but nothing changed. Nothing happened. The ways were almost boring. Very next paragraph. Then the silence was broken by a startled grunt from Loyal, which, again, from my perspective, Loyal being upset and Loyal being afraid has much more emphasis on it to me, at least right now as the reader. Because I think that's significant. And Rand stood in his stirrups to peer past the O'Gear and swallowed hard at what he saw. They were in the middle of a bridge, and only a few feet ahead of Loyal, the bridge ended in a jagged gap. I feel like we all knew that this trip wasn't going to be super easy, but that was a quick one too. Ah, this ain't so bad, except the ways are broken. Um, I, I definitely agree with you. Like, it is really weird to have. Our our Ogier friend, the the biggest of the bunch, but he's also the softest of the bunch. So as weird as it is, being able to identify with him, it's not that odd to me. <laughs> it would worry me more if Lan or Moraine had acted out a little bit differently. Um, but so you. You say soft, but the things that bother him, even even the fact that there's more brick in, uh, well, nowadays, you know, we have country songs about too much concrete, but more brick and mortar over areas that used to be green with trees and whatnot. Like, those are the things that those of us in our day-to-day life, even now, like I'm talking real life, we, we maybe don't notice as much, but those are the more tragic things. Those you know, man taking over nature and forming it to his yeah. needs is never a good thing, you know, in the, in the big picture. And those are the type of things that really upset him. And, and ultimately I think point out a greater I agree with evil that. that's, that's happening in this world. So I don't, I don't think, I don't think he's I soft. I think I he's deep. That. All right. Moving on to chapter 45, what follows in shadow and our icon is the dragon's thing. So let's talk about the chapter title more than the symbol. I mean, the symbols, we've seen the symbol a bunch of times, but the falls and shadows very ominous. Yeah. So I, I mentioned before in the last chapter, my thoughts about the, the people that went in and never came out. I mean, they're mm-hmm. still in there, right? Maybe. Um, and so we're already freaked out about the darkness as a whole before and how it just, it's not just dark, but even whatever light you bring is just struggling to illuminate anything, right? It's super dark. But then what follows, like something following them, 
oh yeah that's we get to that towards the end of the chapter but when i you know when i first read this like um i was thinking all right there's more peril there's more danger than just the lack of light just the darkness Mm -hmm. and what is that is it a physical being is it what i mean we we heard about charlie sheen uh and we all know how screwed up he is and you know hide hide your kids but uh yeah so sure again it's really it it gets really hard for me after reading the chapter to really look at it but what follows in the Mm -hmm. shadow we we are introduced to a new concept a new being i'm not quite sure what to think about it they whatever at this point um i'm right there with ian like could it be the souls of people that were trapped that you know we don't know how the concept of time really works in the ways so maybe like they were trapped so long that their physical body is gone but their souls are still there and they can't escape because they're bound by the magic um my mind goes through all sorts of rabbit holes so <laughs> but you know i kind of agree with ian we we just really don't know but i think it has something to do with that or you know it could be you know a personification of the taint if mm. we're going with that theory yeah. <laughs> uh sure. who knows I will never not giggle when you mention the taint. I'm sorry. I'm I try, but I'm still very childish in many ways. So, uh start of the chapter, they're looking at this bridge now that's gone. A stone actually falls and Rand never hears it at the bottom. So it just falls and falls and either it's who knows how far down it is, if it ever like a bottomless pit or if it actually has a bottom, we don't know, but you don't hear it. So it's it's way down there. <laughs> Um, and, and Rand finally sees, he was wondering last chapter, you know, what's holding these bridges and islands up, and he sees nothing. There's nothing holding anything up. It's just empty space, um, which kind of is unsettling for Rand as well, because um, he just, so now, now you have more of a mental picture of the ways. And I've always, and I know we've mentioned this, uh, and I think a previous episode and something where, it's kind of seemed like an MC Escher uh, painting, you know, with like different platforms and stairs and things like that. Right. Um, that was in one of the dreams that Rand had um, where uh, Bay Osamon was down below on a different platform. So I, I think it's uh, fantastic that Rand and all the other Edmonds fielders have uh, Loyal and Moraine and Land there to, to kind of help nudge them on. Because I, I always pause in some of these new moments and new threats and new things that we find out. And I think to myself how I would react. And if for whatever reason uh, they didn't have these other people around to trust, to follow, there's no there's no effing way you could you could go through something like this. I mean, it would just be absolutely terrifying. At this point, if I were Ran or Matt or Egwene or Nynaeve or any of these people that really truly know nothing about any of this stuff i would literally get my horse behind one of those three loyal moraine or land and i would just tell myself wherever they go i'm gonna go i'm not gonna look over the side i'm not gonna question what they say like how can you because if you start to look around and try and figure this out yourself it's just fucking terrifying hey Ian. 
Yeah. You act like they had choices. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you act like it was their decision. <laughs> I like it. I like it. There you go. So yeah, um, Moraine says there there are other ways of getting there, and uh, Nynaeve is super upset about this. Um, I was gonna confusion. say like Nynaeve took no time to slap the eyes to die in the face. It's like, is it to this she brought us eyes to die? All this way to find out we have to go back to Camelin after all. So like she took no time to like throw the blame. Like she's been waiting on this moment to kind of reestablish herself as like head chicken charge and to put down the credibility of Moraine. And Moraine's like Miss Cool Common Collective. Huh, we don't have to go back. Not all the way to Camelin. There are many paths along the ways to any place. Which I love the way to sh- she put to any place, not to every place, but to any place. That's really weird wording, but you know, I just that stuck out to me. Like these little lexicons and stuff, the way they do it. It's just why use that word? Any place? I, I don't know. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, and, and Loyal's super concerned about not being able to make it out of the ways. Like he's trying to suggest, you know, maybe you know we're only a few bridges away from you know Tarvalin. Maybe we should just go there instead. And you know, he keeps on trying to change the direction throughout this entire chapter, but. I think this is the first time where he's like, yeah, well, you know, we could just go somewhere else. Uh, and Moraine's having none of it. He's like, nope, we're, we're going to, to Fardara, um, to, to, towards the Blight. Quick uh, question. Do you think they can travel in time using the ways? I, man, so I had the same question. Part of me hopes so. <laughs> like, because then <laughs> we have our TAM time travel theory that we can put into play here. Buzzing. <laughs> uh, but sure. I, I like, yeah, that's the answer. Uh, I do like um, Rand's thought here. He said, Perrin looks like a wolf at bay. That's what he looks mm-hmm. like. Perrin has these moments of like really good perception. Like mm-hmm. every now and then we think he's the biggest ditz in the world. And then it's like, huh, he had a brilliant thought. <laughs> yeah. So, and like I said, Moraine reassures Loyal and, and says, "Nope, we're not going to a closer way gate. We're we're going to go the whole way." And um, and Rand tries to convince Loyal that everything's okay. Um, yeah, when this is all over, yeah. you show me your steady, and I'll take you to Edmund's Field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Loyal, who's seemingly much more wise than almost anybody here, is like what makes you think this shit's ever going to be over? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is like really, this is really bad, man. I like things are bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At this point, they're getting anxious to get out of the ways and um, they finally get to what I guess is the night. They stop for the night. Um, like I said, you can't really tell time, but it's, it's time to stop. Um, and we knew it was a multiple day trip. We knew that beforehand. That was going to take a few days, at least two. So this is our, to get to an island. And loyal to talk about how things used to grow in the ways, like trees and sunlight and things like that. And now none of that's here anymore. Um, they ask, All right, and everybody get everybody gathers close together because they're nervous. Blah 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 blah. Most important part of this entire fucking Boom! book. Moraine studied them as she ate. Finally, she put her plate aside and patted her lips with a napkin. I can tell you one cheerful thing: 
I do not think Tom Marilyn is dead. <laughs> Ka-chow! <laughs> I have All right, so I'm going to tap out now. That's the only thing I hi- that's the only thing I highlighted this chapter. I highlighted it and circled it. <laughs> I put a little haha face, and um, I'll let you, Chris, you, and Alan can do the rest of this chapter. I'm done. Well, I, I do out. like right before that. The eyes that I rubbed her fingers against the palm against her palms distastefully. You feel the taint. The corruption of the power that made the ways. I will not use the one power in the ways unless I must. The taint is so strong that whatever I try to do would surely be corrupted. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to point that out because of what happens at the end of this chapter. So I just want that to yeah. be in everybody's mind. There's so much fear about using the power in the ways. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. what type of corruptions can and will occur and whether or not something that happens in the moment here can impact something later on down the road in the ways. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. for sure. And then, of yeah. course, like I was right there with you. I like circled, highlighted, like put a note like he's not gone. <laughs> yeah and, and they even think about men, men's viewings about tom yeah she said like, like, men... bridge is not so big for gleeman to be a small thing and if tom is a part of the pattern that weaves itself around you three too important a part i believe to be cut off yet and then Rand, you know thought about this and he said how could Moraine know and he said, then he said men she saw something about tom and then moraine said she saw a great deal about all of you, I wish I could understand half of what she saw, but even she does not. Old barriers fail, but whether that men does, or excuse me, whether what men does is old or new, she sees true. Your fates are bound together. Tom Maryland's too. So that was very interesting. The 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 wording of old barriers fail. What are these barriers that we're referencing? Well, I I had mentioned way back that Min was another eyes to die, but um, obviously I based that off of nothing. I just threw mud at the wall. Uh, but from this, it doesn't seem like Moraine knows where Min's powers come from. Yeah. And that she has these abilities that even she doesn't understand, but what she does know is that what Min sees generally comes true well if she uh, said and what the source of men's powers are yeah, who well, knows she said what at this men point does is old or new or whether what men does is old or new she didn't say sees she says does that confused me too yeah because i yeah. you know i was just like a little like you know i don't i don't get that wording She's not necessarily doing anything. She's just seeing these visions. But maybe it's a prediction. Maybe they're saying it's a prediction of past, present, future. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the concept. Maybe men doesn't completely ascertain or understand whether or not what she's seeing is what is, was, or will be. So that's kind of what I took from that statement. But whatever she is seeing, whether it is, was, or will be, is true. And we can see that with Lan and his titles. And then the images that were floating around him were things of his past, not necessarily of the future. 
But we know that right. Tom mm. has not had any interaction with the admin fielders before the initial meeting that we all have with him. So what she sees around him had to have been of what is to come. So I think there's so many layers to what her power is. She has to come back up at some point in time. And we're going to eventually understand a little bit more about what she can see. Again, I don't know, but that's where my mind went. <laughs> and then, but then, then immediately we get into the whole Egwene raising an eyebrow about men. <laughs> and then Rand feeling put in a corner by her. And then Perrin stands up. <laughs> Perrin goes bros before hoes and throws Egwene under the bus. <laughs> and Rand, for the first time, is like, oh, snap. Um, burn me if I didn't come out best for a change. I wish I knew as much about women as Perrin. <laughs> and he's on cloud nine. And then Matt tries to throw Rand under the bus, <laughs> bringing up this other chick like, these guys are just effing with each other. <laughs> yeah, so you got this like fun little banter scene where it's like they're back home again. You know, I, I I feel like this would be a normal thing, like around like between friends, like they're just giving each other crap. I mean, I I, I get I get them sticking up for each other, but at the same time, I think it turns into just kind of like, well, what about that? What about this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just all yeah. funny yeah. games. It was the, the gang back together again, and they were enjoying mm-hmm. life. <laughs> And then they all go to sleep uh, to try to get some sleep. And once they, they wake up, they're back to traveling again. Um, and at this point, that's when Lan announces something's following them. Uh, and immediately Matt, being Matt, <laughs> like, doesn't even think, just takes an arrow and shoots into the darkness. And everybody's like, stop. <laughs> He's already knocking a second arrow. And Lan's like, stop it. Like, we don't know if it's good. We don't know what it is. We know something's following us. We don't know, you know who or what or what it is but don't shoot <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm back to uh relating to matt now that he's not psycho crazy with this dagger um if i was in that scenario and somebody said there's something behind us and i can only see five feet behind us because our lanterns don't travel very far in this ridiculous darkness I would have unloaded fully automatic weapons in that direction <laughs> and thrown grenades <laughs> and just said fuck it because yeah, that's some scary shit. Yeah. I feel him on that. Yeah. I don't know why everybody judged him on that one. Yeah. I'm surprised nobody else like chucked a rock or something. Yeah. Did, did you have any thoughts about about this this mysterious figure or what it is or Oh yeah. It's see it's the beggar uh <laughs> aka um Pat. the first peddler. Uh, Pat and Fane. Pat and Fane. Yeah. Pat and Fane. <laughs> I think it'd be hilarious if he's like he's on their trail through fourteen fucking books and shows up, and then it's Pat and Fane playing Rand in a game of stones to decide. It's sad that that's right where my mind went too. I was like, it's Pat and Fane. He's in there with them. He followed them, uh, and then like it, the reality settled in. It's like there's got to be something unknown in the ways to make it so freaking scary. There was a moment where I thought yeah. maybe there were fades. And then there was a moment where I thought, what were the creatures above the fades? The ones that fly? Yeah, We haven't run into another one of those in 
forever. And the way it was kind of described, I was like, maybe it's one of those. Like, who knows? But we soon find mm-hmm. out. Part of me was hoping part of me was hoping that they would run into one of these male Aes Sedai that's like still stuck in the ways and losing his fucking mind, but has enough of his mind to like give some very significant information or something that might help them along their way. Um, but no, to answer your question, I don't truly think it's Pat and Fane. Don't put that in the predictions. Uh, but it crossed my mind more as a joke. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, if it turns out to be Pat and Fane, though, I did guess <laughs> that. <laughs> but if it's not, it was a joke. <laughs> I don't know if that's how that works. <laughs> but I want, I want points in case I'm randomly right. I said, so it's anybody... And uh, as long as anybody get points, yep. right? So that's <laughs> exactly okay, it's a, it's a thing. Yeah, gotcha. It's a thing. So yeah. So um, uh, Lance says you can fall back and figure out who it is, and Loyal says no. Um, that you know you'll you'll get lost forever. There's you can't read O'Gear. Like it, it turned pitch black. You won't be able to see us if you try to head back. You know, it was almost a thought so, though. He's like, can you read O'Gear? Like Rakan was yeah. like italicized. Like, wait, did I find an interesting human? <laughs> yeah. I like that because, like, for a moment, you can see his mind ticking. He kind of literally, for a word, gave up all fear because he his curiosity took over. I think that's going to be yeah. his greatest weapon and biggest downfall. Like, if he dies mm-hmm. in book twelve, it's because he was curious about something he should have left alone. And and Loyal's still trying to convince him to leave. Um, he's like, I think it's two bridges away from Tarval, and we just go there. And this, yeah, it's like the trying. theme. Why they should have just gone? But how well, far? Like, I, I guess my concept of space. Like, what would be the difference between um, Tarvalon and and the uh, the Blight? Well, there is a map um, in the beginning of the book. I don't have it in front of yeah, me right I need to now. Look at that again. Um, it's 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 far. I mean, you're talking about a month, a month. Extra. Yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah, too probably too far. So, um, then we get to the next, the next stone or the next uh, um, you know, uh, island, and Land immediately goes to soldier <laughs> mode. Something's wrong. Um, he's they see something. Rand doesn't see what it is right away. Then they realize what it is. It's it's. That on the stones, Trollocs, there's Trolloc markings, Trolloc language on the, st- on the stones. So this is where we get the confirmation that the Trollocs have been using the ways. Yep, it's a, it, which was one of our predictions. So predictions, she, yep. we were right on there. It's this Trollocs. Yeah. She ignored their frightened ghast or fades. Those are Trolloc ruins. The Trollocs had discovered how to enter the ways. That must be how they got to the two rivers undiscovered through the gateways at Mnethrin. There's at least one way gate in the Blight, which then brings the question, though we do have Trolloc markings, they had to have had an Ogier helping them to decipher so that the Trolloc and or Fade or whomever could then inscribe Trolloc ruins onto the stones. So there's that, but also remember... uh... When you have a force, like, let's say, I don't know how Trollocs come about, how they multiply, reproduce, whatever, but let's say they have the ability to reproduce at such a ridiculous level or be created at such a ridiculous level. 
uh, evil forces have no problem sacrificing their pawns and the Trollocs are their pawns to figure out a way forward. Mm-hmm. So if they're able to get into the ways, the evil forces here would have no problem sending thousands and thousands and thousands of Trollocs in every direction until they find one that works. And they wouldn't care how many they sacrificed to figure that out. And who knows how long they've been trying to do this until they figured it out. So I'm not saying what you're saying is impossible. That's something that crossed my mind. But you also have to consider that this is something they've been attempting for such a long time and just sacrificing whoever they need to sacrifice to figure out how to make it work. So they could they could have figured it out on their own, possibly. Yeah. But they could also be using um was it Biazaman talked about the black eye said I? So Black Aja, yes. Black Aja, right? That uh maybe could help them manipulate the gates in some way or at least open them and then once they're in there, you're right, maybe they could have uh somehow convince an O-gear to help or force them to help or something like that. But I, I got the feeling like regular old evil, they just threw bodies at it until they figured that shit out. That makes good sense too. Yeah. And, and you see, it, it land finds the dead Trollocs that have been melted into the stone. And, and Moraine says, you know, there must be traps down here for shadow spawn. Um, and, and from this point on, Moraine starts really being cautious about every bridge and everything like that. Moving forward to make sure there's no more traps they might run into, um, and, and and they continue on just going bridge and ramps and islands, just continue move, moving their way on. Um, and, and Rand strained to listen just in case he can hear, you know, Trollocs. He's listening for, tro- you know, they're on edge. He's listening for Trollocs, and Rand thinks he can hear something. It like, sounds like wind, like way in the distance. And he this he doesn't think much of it at first. He's like, huh, there's there's wind, huh. And they, I can just imagine this. He starts thinking, I was like, wait, there's not supposed to be wind down here. Hey, Loyal, didn't you say there's no wind in, in the ways? And, you know, immediately chaos. Machinchen. <laughs> or Charlie Sheen. Uh, Charlie Sheen. As, as, as he likes to call Machinchen. <laughs> Many lines of cocaine. <laughs> hey, uh, well, let's back up. Only a teeny quarter step. Anybody else find it? Interesting that Rand was the first one to notice and speak up about the sound of the wind. Like Land, obviously, you mentioned it. He's in full soldier mode, mm-hmm. being super protective. Like, I'm sure he's protective of the group, but more so Moraine. Like, she's there, so he is on edge, listening, sensing everything. But Rand is the one that asks the question. Rand is the one that points out. Rand is the one. Right. <laughs> He is Rand is Neo. <laughs> Be Neo. But I guess it kind of oh, yeah. shows the closeness so, yeah. maybe to the one power or, you know, the power in general. And then, you know, we don't really know how connected each individual is to the to the source and how much they've already been influenced by the taint. Yeah. And if they if they've been influenced <laughs> at all. Like so many questions, no answers. Sure. And we're not going to get anything from Alan. <laughs> nope. Sure. So, so Mach and Sheen, our Charlie Sheen, or Mar- Martin Sheen, whatever you want to call it, is coming. Uh, Moraine starts panicking. Loyal's freaking out. Everyone's, and they're all just running. And Moraine's like, quick, just get us out of here as fast as possible. How far do we have to go? 
He's like, I think it's only a few more bridges, but you can hear the wind getting louder and louder and louder. And finally they find they the last one, the last one they go to, they don't even bother reading. They just start following the white line towards the way gate. Uh, they get to the gate and the key is gone. Um, and this is like that moment of despair. Like we've been through this a couple of times in a couple of the chapters, like where you think all was lost. Um, but this one's, I don't know. It, it, it seems pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> well, before we go that far, I just want to bring up this quote since we're here. It is easier to be brave, he discovered, when someone needs your protection. That's my favorite quote of the chapter. Yes. I've kind of gotten a way of pointing out my favorite quotes. So I just wanted to do that. Um, and then it kind of makes, yes. Chris. I'm sorry. You stole my thunder. <laughs> that was my that was my favorite. Not of the not only of the chapters. That's yeah. my favorite in a while. Yeah. Uh, and it's very true, very true. I, I think in my if I have to consider my air quotes bravest moments, it's it's been more when I knew I needed to show that confidence for the sake of those around me. Where inside my head I was like, holy shit. All is lost, but but when you have to be brave for someone else, when someone else needs you, uh, definitely. Yeah, and it's really good when step a warder up. steps up for his eyes to die. <laughs> Ooh, hey, you're not <laughs> getting that steak dinner. It ain't gonna happen. <laughs> but nice try. Uh, but, you know, for the yeah. leaves to be gone, you know, I, I guess it was really hard for me to like think about this because when I originally thought about the leaf, the first go around, it was like an image on the wall and maybe I didn't read close enough. Yeah. She plucks it off. Yeah. I mean, it's like a key. But just like, to I guess in my mind, it was like an image that she then like used magic to kind of pull. And then it appeared as if she plucked in the mood, but I guess, Maybe it was a stone carving. Like, did it say that? Did I miss something? Either way. It fit perfectly into the pattern. It doesn't really say, like, there's not like, a slot for it. It just kind of fits where it Like, it, it would go. take somebody sense. of magical what? powers to remove this, then. Um, I, I don't know if it does or not. I think it just warns hmm. you to know what you're looking for and know where to put it and doesn't necessarily... It's not obvious. Yeah, when she when she first when she opened the first one in in my mind's eye, if you will, like I pictured it, whereas it it blended in with everything else, and it looked as if it was part of the carving. Maybe it was made of stone, and maybe maybe it was. But then, upon recognizing it and reaching out and touching it, she was able to remove it. Maybe it became more lifelike, and then put it into its place oh. to open the gate. So the magic was in the gate itself, not necessarily her. So. I didn't think Moraine was special in being able to do it, but the only, ma- maybe so. The only, the only reason why I bring that up is because Ogiers used way gates before it went mad. So obviously, right? Like they could trap. Well, uh, and and than- fucking Trollocs can. Right. So right. Well, here, they're, well, they're okay, dumb as dirt. So, Ogiers clearly have a connection to the source of the power. That's why Loyal could find the way gate, and Ogiers. Mm-hmm. Can essentially their, their their language is like is lyrical and they can speak essentially trees into existence. There's this 
old magic feeling about an ogier. So they're probably inherently using magic because it's natural to them. Mm. Thus the long lifespan, thus the connection with nature. It, it's not that they can't use magic, it's that they by nature use magic. And then the Trollocs, we're not, the Trollocs like you said before, they're the foot soldiers. They're being guided by the fades. We know the fades can use magic. So that's why my mind, and then they use the word carving. They didn't use, they said, you know, carving implies etched. It wasn't a sculpture. It wasn't sculpted. It was carved. So that, therefore, that implies an image that was moved or removed and then put back into place. So that just kind of draws my mind. Maybe it was a fade that removed the key. And maybe I'm focusing on a detail that's not necessary. But, you know, I'm just trying to piece together what creatures have this innate power. What are these powers? What is this magic? And, you know, who who in the future will be able to use it? Like, could, you know, Perrin have walked up now that he's kind of in touch with his, you know, animalistic powers could he have walked up and manipulated the way gate so it, it really it was just yeah. that my, my hmm. thoughts or my comments are more along the lines of how many other people are we going to see that are able to manipulate this this power um, and then going forward this is where that quote that I spoke on earlier um, we we know that Moraine was really hesitant to use the power was the wind drawn more, driven more by her use of the power um, and what corruption would be caused in the way gate by her using that and destroying the door? And then, mm-hmm. you know, we have this new, enters a new character who will be able to kind of patch things up. Yeah. They- well, Chris, Chris, when did she first use her power in the ways? For the light? Oh, wait. No. When oh, she yeah, when she, she went to help the boys so sleep. That draw them. So maybe yeah. that was the beacon that drew him in. Hmm. Possibly. Oh yeah. I forgot that she did that. Right. Yeah, she did go around. The same way she did in the very beginning. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. yep, yep. Maybe that was just enough to to give their location away. Okay. I didn't even think about that. I actually I this I've never thought about that, but that yeah, that could be it. Maybe. Um, maybe. Maybe. Sure. Um, so, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So everyone, everyone's getting ready to die at this point. Moraine can hear voices in the wind, and Moraine sends out fire at the gate. I mean, and it doesn't even come out normally. It comes out like this liquidy, goopy, nasty stuff, and it starts to melt the gate really, really slowly. It's taking forever, and finally, Land takes his horse Mandarb and goes full on. I, I was going to use linebacker, you know, like a football analogy, but I know we have a lot of international list- listeners, and I know we have a lot of Canadian listeners. So it's just like a full on body check from Ovechkin, and I know our our um, yeah love me by saying Ovechkin. <laughs> I love him. He's the greatest hockey player to ever play. I mean, who else could possibly be anywhere half as good? <laughs> so um, Land busts through with Mandarb. Uh, through the way gate, and they all run out of the gate. Um, 
yeah. Um, and Moraine turns around then and starts firing, you know, shoots the fire at the wind. Um, and at this point, when Rain gets out, you can hear the wind talking, which is one of the most freaky, I guess, parts of this chapter. Flesh to fine, flesh so fine, so fine to tear, to gash the skin, skin to strip, to plait. So nice to plait the strips, so nice, so red, the drops that fall, blood so red, so red, so sweet. Sweet screams, pretty screams, singing screams, scream your song, sing your screams. I love how, like, we always end up with some type of a song. We had our travelers looking for a song. We got our own gear with their sing-songy lyrical voice. And now we have this evil whatever it is talking about a song. <laughs> are, are we setting ourselves up for uh, an episode with Ed Shireen singing at a campfire? Is is this going to happen? Like so, book two turns into a musical. I just uh... yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the setup. This is the prelude going into a musical, and yeah. So um, I'm down with that. There's a song for everything, so I feel it. Yeah. So as as everyone's outside now, Mar- they see Moraine backing slowly out of the gate. Um, you know, merge out to herself, kind of thing. You know, through a mirror, and then the mirror darkens from a mirror to just black. I wonder um, if Rand was the only one that could hear that. It doesn't say whether anybody else does, but definitely Rand can hear it. Um, and then Maureen tries to explain what Machin Shen is, but can't really doesn't really know. Um, you know, she does a really poor job, but she tries. Something left from the time of madness, perhaps. Maureen replies. Or even from the war of the shadow, the war of power, something hidden in the ways so long that it can no longer get out. No one, not even among the Ogier, know how far the ways run or how deep. It could even be something of the ways themselves. As Loyal said, the ways are living things, and all living things have parasites, perhaps even a creature of the corruption itself something born of the decay, something that hates life and light. So we have a new word for the taint, the corruption, which I know we've kind of voiced it that way before, but to just give it that exact title, it's just something else. And then, of course, that completely upsets Egwene. You know, but at the end of the day, it's all it was was a bunch of questions made as statements. (laughs) Just like this whole sure. damn book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Moraine also says this, there's still wars to be faced, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> down, down. Baby, you just ain't seen nothing yet. And then we get introduced down. to a new character yeah. right before the uh, chapter ends. Well, we don't get introduced to him yet. They just mentioned him that, that, that Algamar should send someone uh, from the, and they point to the city. The city. In the distance, you see the towers. And that's the end of the chapter. And then we get a really pretty map. So we made it. Yeah, we do. But that was, uh, um, that's the end of this. We'll talk about the map next episode. I think that's right before the next chapter. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
But that's the end of this episode and the end of these chapters. Any thoughts? My only thought is is we are 85% through the book and all we're doing is being introduced to more and more questions. If I were the... (laughs) So here's my... So hear me out. This is what my (laughs) thought would be. If if I was a first-time reader reading this book for the first time when it first came out, I would, I would, and the next book's not I even available. Die. I would be one of the most frustrated, most agitated people in the world. Like, you don't know how hard it was for me to pick <laughs> this book up, seeing as the fact that Martin still has not released his next book. Like, I can't, yeah. like, normally mentally, I cannot yeah. process going on to another book when I have a book that I really want to read readily available to me so well well the, the the nice thing about that is that by the time we're done with this six and a half years later um <laughs> you'll still be waiting on the next book so <laughs> yeah. you'll be able to pick it right back up yeah you're gonna have to wait until i write the uh time traveling tam story that <laughs> that follows on after all of this yeah yeah Book 15 or 16. Sure. We'll see. So just before we go into my spiel, um, next chapter. So we did this last episode. We'll start doing this now. Just the, the, the chapter titles and thoughts on that. So we have next week we'll do two. We're doing two chapters again just because they go well together. It's Faldara and more Tales of the Wheel. So I think the first is pretty self-explanatory. So, we're finally making it to the yeah. area that nobody else thought they were going to. Here we had an entire book driven on going to one place and then literally in five sentences in one chapter. All right, new plan. I will have to say that frustrated me as somebody who's very OCD and very like driven by the objective. The fact that she's like, all right, new plan. All right, and see, you and I would be divorced. Yep, I go. Like we didn't even have a conversation about this new plan, no discussion. <laughs> I had no input. It was all right, new plan. We're done. Okay, well. As as, as they're saying in, in chat right now, the wheel weaves is the wheel wheels. And you man. know who normally runs <laughs> let me stop before I get myself in trouble. <laughs> Semper Gundy, always flexible. Yeah. More tales of well. What are your thoughts, Ian, on this forty-six? The title of forty-six. I want to read. I I want to read it. Yes, and then more tales of the wheel. I think we're going to get a little bit greater understanding (laughs) of the the source of the powers. I mean, I mean, I kind of feel like what this, this person or this city is that full of. Aes Sedai. I mean, it has to be, right? Maybe male and female Aes Sedai. Yeah. Or, I mean, considering that we got the ravens there, uh, I mean, maybe it's already that area. I mean, we are in the blight, right? So maybe it's already been taken over by the shadow. Maybe the, the grip of the dark one is already pretty secure in this area. Uh, maybe maybe they're too late 
um, in going to find this eye of the world to try and protect it or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we, we find out more about how all of this is coming together. We find out more about the Wheel of Time and all that shit, but I don't know, it's pretty ominous when you see those two ravens. That's usually uh, that's usually the bad guy checking yeah. us out. Keeping tabs on us. Yeah. Or maybe we're falling into his know. plan. I, I, kind of... I don't know. Maybe maybe fucking up that waygate entrance from the blank was part like of his plan. Gonna, the the crew is going to start some type of formal training or you know testing of their their powers to kind of determine their next path or who knows. At this point, you just you just never know. So I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up. Um, so how we can be found? Um, we can be found at the Wheel Reads on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, the Wheel Reads at gmail.com um, is our email address. Go find us there. Uh, Discord, uh, we do uh, right now live recordings, as I mentioned, every week during this COVID thing. Um, we have a bunch of people listen to us now. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we, have, we have a great community on our Discord, actually. It's a fantastic community. Um, if you guys are, are bored and want, and want to hang out with some people that love Wheel of Time, um, or even if you're not bored, you just want to hang out with people that love Wheel of Time, it's it's an awesome place. Um, and there's also Patreon. Um, yeah, you can join our Patreon. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, once again, we're doing a giveaway. You have a few days left. By the time this episode comes out, that's going to be over. So um, the only people that get to hear this are people that listen to us live or uh, are people that are already are Patreons. So, uh, so um, but anyways, it, I put it on Twitter. There's lots of places you could have found it. But uh, that's, a, I guess, some of our people can share that with people as well, if, uh, if you know anybody that is a listener of us. So, yeah, um, uh, think about that as well. Help us get better equipment and maybe a better mic for me. <laughs> so apparently this one's going bad. <laughs> um, it's, it's gone through a lot. It's been through a lot. So it's, uh, it's, get, it's done me well. Uh, it's about time for a new one anyway. Um, as far as everything else, no matter what platform you listen to us on, Always feel free to uh, to like, uh, share, subscribe, review us, share us with your friends. Um, anybody that's new to the Bullet Time or a veteran reader of Bullet Time, um, or think people think about getting into it, you know, we're a great companion co- podcast. Share that with people. Um, and uh, I'm just excited to see what what brings us then as we get to the end of this chapter, end of this book, and uh, all the fun things that come with it. So. That's it I'll have for this week. Anything from you guys? Until next time, peace. Until next time. Thank you for listening to The Wheel of Reads. See y'all next time.